What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. Now, before we go ahead and get started, I want to go ahead and tell you guys about Disrupt Week. Now, Disrupt Week is an amazing, amazing event. It's a week-long, yes, you heard me right, a week-long networking entrepreneurship-based event in San Juan, Puerto Rico. My God, you want to go network with somebody? Go network in paradise. Network in San Juan, Puerto Rico. From October 19th to October 26th, Disrupt and Build Your Empire are hosting this event, Disrupt Week, to help bring 50-plus speakers and 500-plus attendees together to network and make the world a better place. Now, if you want to come to this event and listen from speakers like Anthony Delgado, Chris Delgado, <clears throat> Casey Adams, John Malott, Alex Quinn... Uh, Sam Bakhtiar, Stephen Campolo, the list goes on and on and on and on. If you want to hear from people like this, go ahead and hit me up in my DMs on Instagram at Chase underscore Henderfit. Let's go to Puerto Rico, baby. Let's make it happen. Now, that's it for that. Let's continue on with the show. Welcome to the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show, where we speak with elite individuals and top performers and sing what it takes to stay healthy and get wealthy. Are you ready to be elite? Are you ready to be part of the 1%? Well, then without further ado, let's get it. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Young, Healthy, and Wealthy Show. Today, I have another elite entrepreneur. When I say elite, you're going to be like, holy shit, this guy's elite. This guy is the CEO of Viral Style. It's a top print-on-demand company. It was recently in the Inc. 5000 list, meaning it's one of the fastest growing companies in America. Just last year, he shipped over 2 million products, bringing in about $55 million in revenue. Yeah, you heard me right, $55 million. All the while, he is a dedicated single father to a 10-year-old son. Please help me welcome the man, the myth, the le- I guess not the myth because you're here today, but the legend, Mr. Tom Bell. Tom, how's it going, hey, man? Hey, what's up? How you doing, man? Doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, man. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, man. Let's talk. Let's get it. Let's go for it. So for those of you who do not uh, know who Tom Bell is, Tom, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about who you are and, you know, what's your story? What brought you into the world of entrepreneurship and, you know, where you are, where you are today? Okay. So uh, again, my name is Tom Bell, uh, 31. Um, and I actually started an entrepreneurial journey because I was forced into it, right? So I, I had a kid young, as you said, I have almost 10 year old son now, be 10 on October 1st. And, you know, it's funny because I look at, you know, how old are you, by the way? I'm 22. Okay. So prime example, the young cats right now that are getting into entrepreneurship, like when I did it, it was almost unheard of right so I was I was 21 when I first got into it I, I realized I was gonna have a kid and I had this now or never moment that I realized I had this like six month window to figure it the fuck out or you know I would have to get a job right I had to support my son and so that was my reason that was my drive that's the reason I got into it I figured it out um within like a week of him being born, I had made my first deal and so on and so forth. Back then I was doing wholesaling real estate for, you know, five or six years. But it's funny, like I said, I look at, you know, your generation really, like, you know, five, six, 10 years ago, um, younger than me. When I got into entrepreneurship, there wasn't much of, there wasn't many tools available to me. So it was really whatever I could find resource wise online books whatever 
now eight, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, like there's some bosses right now that are doing some big shit and it's really mainly driven by social media. Um, so when I was 18 and 19, all I gave a fuck about was being 21, right? Yeah. Cause I didn't care about anything else. I didn't think about entrepreneurship. So it's funny right. to see, you know, younger kids that were younger than me just doing. It's amazing, bro. I love that. Um, but I was forced into it. So I don't, who knows if I didn't have a kid who fucking knows where I would be right now. Right. So I, I tell people that he saved my life because it forced me to have to focus and, and make some money. So that, that's how I got into real, uh, to entrepreneurship was just by way of, I got down to, I, I got so serious with it that I got actually down to my last bill. So only thing I was living with my parents, uh, only thing that I paid for was my phone bill, which was like a hundred and hundred some dollars a month. And I used that phone to call people all day, every day for months until I got a deal done. Um, and that's what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of lost in translation. Like with, you know, with my generation today is like, you know, a lot of people that get into entrepreneurship, they don't realize like what it really takes, you know, you know, and if for your situation, like you were forced into it and you knew what you had to do, you know, like, I got to get on the phone. I got to talk to people. I got to make, I got to make something happen. I mean, especially with the added pressure of the kid coming, you know, that you had, I mean, that's, that's wild. So like hearing your story, cause I know I've, I've talked to a couple of the people, they had this similar story and it's just, it's do or die. I mean, yeah. what was going through your head during this, this time? I know you had like, you're like, okay, I got to make it happen. But like, what, what were the feelings that you were going through? Uh, I was scared as fuck. <laughs> First of all, I was 21 years old. I was about to have a kid. That's like kind of worst nightmare type of situation. You know, it was just, first of all, I don't even know if I wanted kids. Right. So I have this hanging over my head where I'm, I'm going to be a father and now I've got to support someone else so I can barely support myself. Right. right? Again, I'm living with my parents at, at still at this point. Uh, I have, barely any money to my name i had to break like got rid of my car and everything so that i could focus on this one thing um you know my only thoughts at that time was survival that was really all it was it was just getting that first deal done so that i knew the entire process of what i was trying to do and, and exactly what happened when i got that first deal done because you when you go through a uh something new right so you get to a point where you're learning just enough so in my situation with real estate i would get 100 people on the phone and maybe 10 would actually talk to me right and out of those 10 people i'd get one person that actually may be interested and out of the you know that one person or two people there may be a slight deal uh that they would be interested in talking about and i'd get to that point and they would fall off. So I'd have to start back over another hundred people. And it'd go through that process, but you get further and further down the funnel of sales. And then the whole picture, there's no uh, guesswork anymore of like, or, or uh, mystery of, of how the whole process works is now, now you've done it all the way to the end. You know how you've gotten to your close, you've handled the whole deal. You've picked up your check. Once that happened for me, it was game over. Like by the end of the week, I had two or three more deals lined up. I had like one of the best months ever, which is like the first month I got into it. And I knew right then and there that 
I could do anything that I wanted as long as I, you know, focused on it and, you know, pushed for it. And that kind of mindset stuck with me for a long time because I actually tried to start multiple businesses during the time that I had real estate. And, uh, you know, a lot of them failed, but most of them I actually got sales in them. I just either, number one, wasn't interested in moving forward with it, got bored with it, or just wasn't a scalable business, which is what I always look for. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, that's fantastic. There was a lot of good information in there, especially (laughs) like uh, something my dad actually actually told me since since the day I was born. Like he told me like the day that I was born, they were bringing me back home. He's been telling me this all like every single day is that you can do anything you set your mind to. And it's like, literally all it takes is that you got to believe that you can make something happen. Like you did, like you believed, like, okay, look, I know this can happen for myself. Like, I know I can make something of myself. I know I can make, I can make those deals. I can close those sales. Just go, 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 go. And then along the way, you were able to build multiple different companies, you know? And I think that's something really cool too, is that uh, something you pointed out there was that you've built companies and, you know, some of them failed, but some of them did succeed but you didn't push through with some of them because they didn't fulfill you, which I think that's really powerful right there. You know, it's like the, you know, being able to be aware of what you actually want to do moving forward. So like, what were some of those other businesses that you had pushed through and pushed with? So, um, so one of them was a direct mail company and that was strictly out of spite to be honest. So the story behind that is I had a friend of mine who, was doing very well for himself in the direct mail industry. Okay. And I've always been very good at sales. I used to do, when I was in high school, I was doing uh, telemarketing. I was a telemarketer. I was like the top producing telemarketer. Oh, no so kidding. I knew I, I knew I could do well on the phones. Uh, so I actually uh, reached out to him. I was like, look, man, I'm trying to get into this game. Let me start at the bottom. I'll make some calls for you and get some deals lined up or whatever. And it, this is like my best friend still to this day, by the way. But at the time it was like, I don't, you know, I don't want to fucking bring my friends in. You know, it just won't work out like that. I'm like, right. All right. I don't need you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I started a competing company. (laughs) Friend. So I actually did okay with it. I had like a bunch of clients and, uh, you know, but again, that was just something that I did for money. You know, it wasn't like, it didn't really like it. You know, it, I was right. dealing with financial advisors, like it was fucking boring. <laughs> it just wasn't my, it just wasn't my go. So I let it go. And, and uh, it's, that's actually a funny story. I've never really told that, but um, that's that, that, one of, that was one of them. And it did okay. I just let it go because I was doing, making more money in real estate. And the other company, which is the more interesting one is, uh, I was actually at ultra one time, like actually my first time with the ultra and I'm having a good time in the middle of the crowd. You know, first time I've experienced any of that thing like that. And this is the way my head works. I was looking around at everybody and I noticed that like everybody was wearing like crazy t-shirts, right? They all had like little funny phrases on them and neon colors or whatever it is. Everybody's trying to outdo each other. And I'm sitting in the middle of the crowd in the set and some, I'm thinking, Somebody's selling them all this shit, right? <laughs> so I, started, I actually started a t-shirt company. I think it was like 2012. Um, that was based on the EDM trend because it was still, you know, becoming mainstream at the time. And I kind of saw that wave coming. 
right. back then the word was rage. Like nobody said party tomorrow. It was like, let's, let's fucking rage. Right. Yeah. So I started a company called ready to rage and it was all EDM like festival wear t-shirts. But the problem with that business was um, I did it the old way, the old merchandising way, which is find a supplier, buy the blanks up front, you know, guess how many sizes and colors I would need, like how many smalls versus larges, how many different styles of apparel do I want to offer, right? And then have to find a printer to print the designs and you have all this inventory. Now you're out thousands of dollars, basically no guarantee you're going to sell these products. And I had a lot of fun with it. Like I sold, you know, a good amount of t-shirts that way. And I was getting boosts at music festivals and throwing parties at colleges and the whole thing. And I was really trying to build this brand up. But I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't money-making operation. It was more of a hobby because the money went out first. Then I had to add it up. Then I ran out. And then I had all this leftover that didn't sell. And it just, the model was broken, right? So I took that uh, failure kind of hard because I really enjoyed doing that. And it never kind of went away. So fast forward a couple of years later, I learned about print-on-demand. And I noticed right in there and then that print on demand was solving all the issues that I had with that business. Um, so I uh, bandwagon, um, I was actually one of the first uh, guys to really kind of master, <clears throat> master Facebook with selling physical products. So this is like um, late 2013, right? So like late 2013, Facebook came out with their ads manager. Uh, it was the first time you could target people based on their interests. So um, I jumped onto that and I would pre-sell my designs on Facebook based on whatever the interest was. So if they're uh, a dog lover, I would create a t-shirt for dogs. If they were a firefighter, I would create a t-shirt for firefighters and I would be able to pre-sell those uh, shirts through Facebook and then use the money from the sale to actually produce the item. And we were really successful with it. We were like some of the pioneers of, of selling physical products on Facebook. And then fast forward a, a couple months, I met my business partner. He helped me systemize what I was doing. And then we scaled it up to you know 150,000 items, I think in about three months, did over 2 million in profit. And then kind of took a step back and thought about like the whole process of what we had done and how we could offer that to other people. And that's how viral style was made, uh, was just by necessity of having to build something for ourselves. And then we were able to offer it to other marketers who basically do the same thing as us. So I like to tell people that viral style started when I was high on ecstasy in ultra 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so a full circle, full circle from, you know, in the middle of the crowd to, you know, the launch of viral style, you know, it's uh, a failed business became a scalable business. So that's wild. That is so funny. And what, what really like stands out to me, like when I first heard about viral style and I had, you know, found you on Instagram and I saw you speak at social X and then you also spoke with the mastermind is that is your approach to selling the print on demand? Because I've had, past companies that failed where I, you know, I used print on demand to make the products for the companies, but it was all like I had to, you know, they would order it on my site and then, or I'd have to get like a little bit of inventory and hold it so that they would go, 
but your approach to doing it through Facebook ads is like, it blew my mind. I'm like, oh, that's genius. Cause now you're not only are you getting the interest from the consumer, but it's just immediately going like you're, it's crazy. It's an impulse purchase, right? So people go to Facebook to look at pictures of dogs. They don't go on Facebook to shop. Right. right. The cool thing about it is because you can get so specific with the way their ad targeting is that person is them. So if you have the targeting, right. And this is something that I teach in my trainings, uh, we, what we call the uh, t-shirt success matrix. And it's just a Venn diagram. It's three circles. Right. And in one, it says uh, there's a pat. If you have the passionate niche, a compelling design, and the right targeting, you're gonna get sales. So if you have all three of those things, you're more than likely gonna get sales because what you're gonna do is you're creating designs for an audience and then you can put it right in front of the people that would actually buy that. So if the design is compelling enough and they're passionate enough about that, whatever it is that you're, uh, you're targeting, um, they're gonna have interest right away. And, it's, and t-shirts are such a good price point, it's 20 bucks, right? So people are willing to spend 20 bucks on anything almost. So if they see something that they get put right in front of them, they know that that ad's not going to be there. They'll click through to it. They'll just check it out, see how much it is and whatever. They've already showed you buying intent at that point. And the way that the Facebook data works, man, now where you can really just kind of create audiences based on just engagement alone, you can really make a lot of money with this. Yeah. It's an impulse purchase. Well, I was going to say like one of the things is, um, I feel like a lot of people, when they first get into it, they don't really know how to go about building that audience. Like, okay, well, how do I find that data? How do I find this and that? But it really comes from a lot, you know, uh, from what I've seen is engagement, like seeing what people actually engage with to then go from there. I mean, how do you go about building yeah. your target audience and finding that passionate niche? Because I mean, there's so many different niches, but how do you know that one's going to sell? So you don't, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the beauty of print on demand though, because it's free to try. So you can come to my site, you can upload as many different designs as you want. You can try as many times as you want. It's never going to cost you anything using my site. What will cost you money is the ads themselves, right? So as long as you have the thought process going into this design, okay, this is the, this is the target audience that I'm going for. This is something that they would be, they would laugh about. This is something they'd be proud of. You know, this is a sexual innuendo, like something like that, that would, trigger some type of emotional response. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to evoke some type of emotion uh, that would get them interested in actually engaging with that design or clicking through to your, on your ad or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, you know, again, there's no guarantee that's actually a style. And you'd be, you'd be shocked by how stupid some of this shit is that actually sells like crazy, like thousands and thousands of shirts but it's just because it's stupid and it worked for that audience. Like they thought it was hilarious and they bought it for somebody they know that likes that or whatever it is. Um, but you know, yeah, it's, it's all about testing, especially with the data and that is stick to one niche, right? Even if you're wrong on one, you have data from that niche still. So you can do another shirt, within that same niche and you already have data to work with that may be interested in this other shirt. And then if you're wrong with that one, now you've got two wrong shirts, but you've got two shirts with data in the same niche as the one you're targeting. So the third one 
may be the right design for that audience. Now you've got people that have already engaged with these other two shirts that are in an audience that you can target with this new shirt and they may end up being your buyers. Now they've seen it two or three times and, and so on and so forth. So it's just really, really right now, it's more about the data and building up the, you know, if letting Facebook do its thing. Honestly. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how, how much Facebook has progressed. Cause I know uh, my dad, my dad's an entrepreneur and marketer by trade. So I mean, he's been, he's been doing Facebook ads for as long as they've been out too. And it's like, he was showing me like what it used to be like, you had to like, you had to really dig. And now it's just like, it's gone to a point where, you know, that now they got the, what is it? The power five where it's just, it's doing everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's nuts. I mean, what, what, what do you like, what's the impact of the power five when it comes to, you know, maybe somebody goes through and does, you know, work through your site. They want to sell something like, how does that influence that? It's just doing all the targeting. It's doing all the work before you now. So instead of like, like for example, when in 2013, they didn't have pixels or audiences or retargeting or anything like that. It was strictly money in money out. Like how much you're spending on ads, how much you're profiting. And that's it. Now with the campaign based, uh, optimization that they have um you can put and also that's the other thing before it was all manual right so you would have to make you know 50 ad sets at you know a dollar 50 to two two dollars a day and then have be able to look at all those ad sets and the, the fucking thousands of different data points that each of them have and make educated decisions on whether you should keep spending money on those. Cause if you have 50 ad sets at $2 a day, it's a hundred bucks. Right. So it's not, it's not a sh like a little bit of money, but you are never going to be able to keep up with a computer. Right. So the way that the campaign based optimization works now is, is really amazing because now you can put all those ad sets in one campaign and Facebook based on the engagement of that, uh, of those ad sets and the audiences that it thinks would be most interested in whatever it is that you're selling will divvy up the ad spend differently amongst all the different ad sets. So right. instead of me going and saying, all right, a dollar a day for each of these ad sets, it's going to go in and spend 30 cents here. Giving it's best to find the, the best audience for you. And I, I like to give the analogy of, uh, like a, like a, let's say you're a fisherman, right? And you got, you know, three fishing poles and there's actually three separate fishing holes right around you. You've got one pole in each of them. If you think of it in terms of that, each of those ponds has people related to whatever the niche that is that you're targeting. So for example, uh, one pond would be uh, an influencer of that niche. The second pond is a general audience of that niche. And then the third one is like a brand or a magazine that they listen to. They're all related to the same thing, right? What you're trying to do is find the best uh, customers out of each of those ponds. And Facebook will do that. So we'll try and find the best people to each, each of those. And it will start to build a, a, a data uh, personality profile of your perfect customer. So once it starts to see who's engaging with your ads, it will try and find as many people like that within those ponds that are interested in whatever you're buying. It's really interesting shit. That's insane. <laughs> like it's literally just like on auto, just doing it for you. It, it automatically does it for you. And then you can segment those people into custom audiences and do it manually where you'd say, all right, 
100 people have looked at this sales page, right? We're going to 100 people, put them in a custom audience. And then you create what's called a lookalike audience. Mm -hmm. And then Facebook will find a million people that look, that have the same, as, the, as close to the same personality profile as these 100 people who have actually showed interest in your pur purchasing your stuff. And then it goes, you can go even further, like people who have actually clicked add to cart, they don't find all the people who have just like those people and that that's how the data builds up. And before you know it, you've got this huge data pool of perfect buyers that Facebook is doing all the work for you. And, and basically at that point, you can just turn on the ads for that lookalike audience and you're good to go. Boom. So easy now. <laughs> You got to get there first. That's <laughs> oh yeah, sure. You got to build it up first. But once you get there, then then it's smooth sailing after that. That's what a lot of people don't uh, know now is that there's a testing phase with pretty much everything you do, unless you just hit a fucking home run right out the bat, which is very hard to do nowadays. There's going to be a a period of time in the beginning where you're going to be losing money, and you have to make these educated decisions based on the data that you see. Uh, you know very early on or you're going to just lose your ass. So, I mean, it comes with experience, but it's not hard to, uh, to do, and it doesn't take a lot of money to test anymore. Right. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's like a couple dollars a day and that's, that's your test. And then, you know, based on that, you can pull in the data and then see what ends up working. You kind of froze up there. Oh, I was just saying, you know, like you were saying, you know, it's, it's just like a couple of dollars a day at this point. You know, that's all you really need to spend in order to just get a little bit of data. And once you have that data, you can kind of roll right. it. Oh, this data, this exactly. is, oh, it doesn't. Okay. Let me change something. Exactly. That's crazy. So what, what's the process been like now, now you're, you know, viral style has grown Inc. 5,000 lists. Like what's that process been like? What did it really take to get to that kind of level to scale that fast? So, um, First of all, we were entered the market at a very good time. So it was a, a cross of um, timing and opportunity, right? And then we executed, you know, very well. Um, it was a new and emerging market. We had kind of become known in the industry. We already were marketers, so we understood what other marketers were looking for. So when we released our product, I was able to hit all the pain points of what these other companies weren't doing. We're able to onboard people pretty easily and got a lot of business very quickly. I'm very grateful that that happened because it was kind of like one of those once a lifetime things where, you know, you start something and it works immediately, right? Like within the first three or four months, I think we did over 10 million in revenue because we had started like actually our fifth year, anniversary was in August. So five years ago, around this time, which is the beginning of Q4, which is the best time to sell online, we started the company and we started our company at the beginning of Q4. So we just went straight the fuck up. Damn. So we had this immediate, uh, it was almost bad for us because we hadn't been battle tested yet. We hadn't gone through Q4. There was issues with fulfillment and all that stuff throughout the first a few months or whatever we got beat down on reviews and we've built it up since then but um basically it was uh since then we've decided to stay lean um so a lot of in, in, a, in the startup world a lot of people wear a lot of different hats right so people were that were starting in one thing 
saw an opportunity to grow with the company. So they would jump into different roles and they've stayed with us since then to now. So as far as like scaling up, uh, it's been struggle, man. Um, what, what I've seen is that we go through multiple growth stages, right? So we'll, with that first bump, right. And you kind of plateau out while you figure stuff out, you do some back end fulfill, like back end work where nobody notices it, except for you guys that are trying to make the business work. Then with new features, some clients, and then you develop new stuff and then you're able to talk about it. So it gives you another bump. So you go up another, another uh, bump here. And then and you kind of, it just keeps doing that. We're actually in the process of doing that again. We're about to release a new, uh, the whole site's about to be completely different on the front end. So I'm hoping that does the next, next level for us. So um, as far as scaling up, you know, it's just about finding good people, people that, you know, are, are willing to, to work hard and, and long hours and, and uh, all the things you hear all the time, right? Um, and hire key employees uh, quickly and try and delegate all the things that are being more time consuming rather than, um, you know, money making operations for yourself very quickly as well. Right. I think that's something super huge that you pointed out. It's like the hiring process is so key because you got to make sure you get the right people. But you know, one of those things like you got to get the right people quickly. You know, how do you go about that process of finding the right people? I know you're saying it's like a lot of like the same like work ethic, this, this, and that. But how do you know they're going to work out? Like what happens if you get somebody and it's just like it shits the bed? Well, I wish I could tell you I'm really good at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not, man. And it's a it's a pain in the ass. Like you put up a, a job posting, whatever you can get 500 applicants, you know, and at the same time as you running your business, you have to focus on finding someone that's going to fit into the role and then narrow it down just on the, the, basically the way we do it is uh, we'll put out a, an, uh, we'll put out a job posting, right? And then we'll have two or three guys in the office that are going to be working with this person, go through each of them and kind of highlight the ones that kind of stand out. Then we'll have this list of highlights and we'll all go through them together and then pick some of the best there. Then we'll schedule some calls with those people based on the answers they give us to we'll do the follow-ups and it's just kind of a funnel downward, but I've, I've made this bad decisions multiple times where I thought I was making the right one and I was really excited about it got a month into it. I'm like, this shit ain't working. And I had to get rid of them and start over. It's very demoralizing, you know? So, um, but you know, it's just a part of running and growing a business. You're going to make these mistakes. There's nothing that, you know, unless you have somebody that's like a top recruiter that's doing that stuff for you, it's going to be, you're probably gonna have to go through that same process. Right. And I think something you just pointed out there too, is that, you know, you could have someone go through the whole process. They're like, Oh, they look, fantastic on paper we had great conversations you know a month down the road you're like okay this is a bad decision you know a lot of people what you know what i've seen on like social media or i've seen from other entrepreneurs and business owners is that like you know they're like okay they're not doing well right now well, let's give them a little bit of time but you know it seems like from your end you cut them off pretty quick you know you're, you're pretty quick to see well, like okay if it's not working out it's not going to work out well yeah i mean because i had a set plan in place for this person and what we were going to be able to do with them and what the benefits were going to be. And I need to hire people that are free thinkers. I need people that are going to be able to do stuff on their own 
without me having to manage them. I, I'm not a manager. I'm, you don't want me to manage people. Like it's just not going to work out. So when I hire people, I try and find people to hire. I want them to be able to come to me with ideas and then we approve them. And then we work with them together. I don't need to go to them and say, Hey, you know, we need to do this, this, and this. It's more of like them coming to me and, and being able to you know, take ownership, of whatever they do and, you know, be good at it. I mean, that's just, uh, it's just simple facts here, but you also got to figure out like the, the, the biggest problem with that is most of those people are not going to be in your price range. Right. So you got to find those kind of people that are coming up that have, you know, um, the skill sets that could be molded, but have the drive to do what they need to do without your input. Right. It's a process. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, what, what's it like being where you're at today? What, what's a day in the life of Tom, like in, and the 5,000 Inc list and, you know, pushing the company forward and, you know, what, what's going through your head nowadays? So, you know, this year has been very difficult. Um, you know, because I am a single father and full-time single dad, which is, you know, in itself kind of a rare thing. You know, most, you know, most dads are fighting for custody. I got, you know, full custody and, and whatever. So that, that's that, but my day starts with him. So take him to school. I try and hit the gym right before, right afterwards, and then make it into the office. When I'm in the office, I'm doing more collaboration than anything. Uh, I'll focus on some of the training stuff that I'm doing, but for the most part, it's trying to move the needle forward. Uh, the business is running on its own right now. I, I could literally not be here and it would be completely fine. But I'm always trying to find ways to move the needle in terms of more revenue growth, more, more leads for different sellers, different opportunities that we may not be thinking of right away, things like that. Um, and I work a lot with the marketing department. I've got a creative lead that is, you know, can pretty much do anything that he's like the perfect example of a great hire. He just is so multifaceted. I don't have to think about, you know, whether he can do something or not. It's just like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think about it? And we'll kind of run with it. And sometimes I'll say something as a joke, like the video I just posted. Hey, I want to recreate this video. And instead of me actually doing the video, he just does a voiceover on the video itself. It's, after the after thing, I'll send it to you. It's pretty funny, but it's just like things like that where I don't have to think about it. They get sent to me. It's done. Um, and you know, so I have a business partner. He runs the, the development side. So it's really just kind of getting updates from them, working with the other teammates and then figuring out ways to make the company more money. That's, that's what I do every day. Um, and then, you know, when, I'm the face of the company. So whenever I do marketing events and stuff, you know, I'm the one that flies out. I have a, an office in Vietnam. So I go there twice a year uh, to interface with different clients, um, take out the VIPs and stuff like that. So it's a pretty cool life, man. I can't complain. Yeah. I mean, I just following you on social media, seeing all the content you're posting about viral style. And then, you know, you're, you, uh, what I love about this, you mentioned it before is like, you you've built the company in a way to where it's kind of running on itself. So you're able to right. have freedom to like, you can leave for a while. And I've seen like you right. travel like all over and like that, yeah. that's amazing. Like how, how, and how, how did you build that? Is it really, what, what were the key ingredients to building that kind of business? Well, so a lot of it has to do with just the, 
the partnerships that I have, right? So I'm, I'm not the guy that you want running the business. Let's just be honest. Like I, I, I'm more of the excitable marketer, right? So I, I can come up with big ideas. I'm a delegator. I'm not a, uh, I'm not, I'm not the guy that's going to sit down and work on something for 12 hours meticulously. You know, that's just not who I am. And I know that about myself. So I use burst of motivation and energy to get stuff like that done for myself. But I have, you know, a great business partner who is basically the exact opposite of me. He is very analytical. Um, and that is a big thing that a lot of people don't really consider is if you're going to get into business with somebody like, have them have completely different traits than you so that you guys can work off each other. Cause I can come up with a brilliant idea and I'll come to, I'll go to Brandon and I'll be like, Hey man, this is what I'm thinking. What's it going to take to do this? And he'll fucking reel me back and be like, all right, that's not going to happen. Especially <laughs> we already have a list. We already have a list, Tom. Okay. Let's, fucking, let's, let's, let's stop for a second. So it's, it's funny that, you know, you know, it happens that way. And, you know, it can be frustrating because, you know, I can't do the things that he can do and he can't do the things that I can do. And, you know, when we were trying to work on something together, it's, you know, one of us waiting for the other and, and whatever. So, um, you know, in terms of just an attrition, uh, whereas I'm not the guy that's going to be doing the daily operations because it's just not one of my strong suits. Right. I mean, that's vital was that self-awareness right there that you're, you're able to be aware of like, okay, this is what, who, this is who I am. This is what I'm capable of doing. This is what I'm probably shouldn't be doing, but like, and you're finding those right. within there. I've, I've kind of found that about me too, or I'm kind of on the same thing where I, I can sit here, think of ideas. And like, if I have, I can do, I can do a lot of things in a lot of short bursts, but I can't sit down for 12 hours and do something. It's just, it's hard. Right. And I know it's part, you know, part of the process of like getting in the beginning is like, you have to do it. You got to eat the shit and like, you just got to do it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's crazy. It's kind of cool to see, you know, somebody who I, I'm looking at, I'm like, okay, I, I can relate with this guy and he's making a 5,000 list company. I, okay, I got, I got a chance. <laughs> yeah, you just, I mean, honestly, it was, uh, it was one of those chance things that we were just already doing something that was needed in the market. And we took a fucking chance, man, because we could have just stayed as marketers and made lots of money and it would have been completely fine. We saw the bigger picture. We saw the opportunity to grow something that was sellable, right? Something that we could eventually, you know, a big, a large brand, right? We, we have this tool now that we can almost go to any situation and have, have a way to kind of tweak one thing or another and, and make it available to other other maybe not just print on demand so that's another thing we're working on but uh yeah that's awesome man that not, trying so to cool. dump, not trying to dump any secrets <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like you gotta keep you gotta keep some stuff for yourself yeah 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 <laughs> so, so with viral style you know what's what's the vision moving forward with you know either whether it be viral style or whether it be with you just in general like what's the vision moving forward so i see you know, print on demand is still growing, right? And I think it's kind of slept on a little bit because, you know, most of the big guys that you see right now that are in e-commerce, they started in print on demand. Like they were around the same time that I was and they kind of moved on to Shopify. And then the next hot thing was, you know, 
uh, drop shipping or whatever. And I feel like the market kind of moves with the information that's being sold right now. So like the big thing right now is all the gurus or whatever are selling, you know, information on how to do drop shipping or, you know, social media marketing agencies or whatever. And it used to be about print on demand. Uh, so I think it's kind of slept on right now. And I think that people will start to see that there's an uh, opportunity to get back into this. And, and it's cause it's a really easy way to learn Facebook ads as well. Like get a, a positive ROI on learning something. And it's fun selling shit, you know, there's no better feeling than that. Uh, as far as the, the focus for viral style right now, uh, our focus is on you know, building up the platform, um, creating a, uh, a better marketplace so that we can start doing our own internal marketing. Everything on the site right now is user-generated content. So all the designs that are uploaded, all the traffic that goes to the site is all from the affiliates who use my site. We just handle all the back-end work that you know, nobody wants to do. Um, so we're moving more into a marketplace centric, uh, site where we can actually, you know, advertise their designs on different platforms and so on and so forth and, and give them a royalty for that. And also we're getting into, uh, the creator merchandising. So YouTubers, Instagrammers, uh, people that have audiences that want to monetize, uh, that audience that they've built, um, you know, merchandising is a great way to do that and with print on demand it costs them nothing so for example we have a uh, a case study right now of a client that is has a large uh kind of republican uh page like very right wing conservative page he's got a very passionate niche right there so what we've done is we've created designs for his audience and because he already has an audience he doesn't have to use facebook ads he can just post something that's relevant to them give them a way to buy it. And he's doing very well. I mean, every time he posts, he almost makes like a thousand dollars for like three or four hour posts and he takes it down. It's, it's pretty incredible what's uh, available to them. So that's one of the things that we're focusing on now. Um, and then personally, you know, I'm, I'm just focusing on building this thing right now and being the best dad that I can. Um, and it's, it's really, um, it's one of those things where I don't know what's going to happen with viral style. Right now, we're not really interested in selling it. We're not really interested in, in uh, you know, raising any capital. We're really kind of focused on building the platform, getting more people to know about it, and engaging, uh, you know, possible new customers, and 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 educating people on what print-on-demand is in general. That's awesome. I love it. Y'all listening? Go go do print-on-demand, man. Nobody don't do the drop shipping. Don't do the Amazon. Print-on-demand's where it's at. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it, technically, it's drop shipping custom apparel. Yeah, so, I guess you're right. Yeah, so maybe basically the same thing. <laughs> That's true. It's just design based. True. All right. So y'all gotta get a little creative here and make some uh, make some designs here. <laughs> awesome. There you go. Uh, so, what are some like big pieces of advice or like wisdom that have really driven you forward and like keep going? So a lot, I know because, you know, with the company, you're saying there's like ups and you plateau, ups and plateau, uh, but I know there's a lot of times where, you know, throughout the journey, it might dip. Like what are, what are some things that have really pushed you through? Um, I've always been very good at self-motivating, right? So 
a lot of the times where I perform the best, I'm in a tough spot. And I think that a lot of people will, you know, vibe with that because if you're not where you want to be, you start to evaluate what you're doing and, you know, how you can change your situation, right? So again, with, again, with my son, like I knew right away that I needed to do this or else, right? And, and I knew that there was no other option for myself. That's another thing I do a lot is give myself no way out of it. So I've been down to the point where even like after I started uh, the real estate thing, I had a, I would, it was very volatile. So I would have great months. I'd make you know, 20 grand. And I'd have a bad month or I'd make a grand. But my lifestyle stayed the same. So I'm still spending a fuckload of money and whatever, because <laughs> I was always having good months in my head. And right. there was actually a period of time when I was, uh, I was just talking about this the other day, but I got down to, you know, two bad months in a row. And I realized that I had fucked up and I couldn't pay my rent. So I was getting evicted and this whole thing. And I was ready to fucking pawn a TV that I had. And, I realized that I never wanted to have that happen again. So it was just one of those things that I was able to like come out of it and it, it was all fine. But it, at the time it was very scary and it was, you know, intense. And I, I realized that I perform very well when I'm forced to, to do it. So I'm very good at self-motivating myself and forcing myself to do things. Cause I remember of the, how I felt during those times. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've kind of seen that within my, I mean, like, I'm just starting out, but you know, even in the points where you know, I've had, I've had times where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm in college, so like all oh, my parents will help me or whatever. But then it'll get to points where it's like, okay, well, parents can't help. I got to make money. I got to make yeah. something happen. Maybe something's not going well for me. Like with the podcast, like I got, I got to make this podcast. I got to have my online coaching business. Like something's got to happen. Right. Either it's either it's do or die right now. So I don't want to die. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Yeah, man. It, That's like my kiss trades. Let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. LFG, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Tom, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. I got one last question for you. All right, let's hear so, it. Let's say you were the one running this interview right now and you were interviewing Tom Bell. What would you ask? You know, it's funny. You're, you cut out right when you ask the questions. So you have to ask it again. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So let's say that, you know, you are running the interview right now, right? Okay. And you are interviewing Tom Bell. What would you ask? What would I ask myself? Man. That is a fucking hard question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, if I was asking somebody that I, I guess, um, just from per like, I, cause I have, I had a chance to speak to Gary V, which, you know, it's not saying I'm Gary V or anything like that, but I asked him a relevant question to what something that I actually wanted to know about what I was doing. So I was able to ask him, you know, what were some key hires that he made early on that he wished he had done earlier or faster that made his life that much easier. And, uh, you know, I would say if, if anything, you know, uh, 
again, find somebody that you can work with that, you know, has opposite traits of you that can, you know, compliment you, but also not compete with you. Right. And if you're going to hire out somebody, uh, find somebody that, you know, in the beginning handles the things that you're not good at. Right. So if there's something that you know you're not good at, you need to find somebody that specializes in that to, um, you know, compliment you in the same way that your partner does or whatever. Uh, and the faster you can do that, the better. Love it. Absolutely. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the only thing I can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that, that's, no, that's, see, it's, just, it's your question. So whatever you feel is the most important question, that's you. I love that. That's, that's, that's vital. You know, I'm just I, trying to stay relevant. <laughs> I like it, man. I like it. Awesome, man. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If anybody wants to connect with you or work with you in any sort of way, how can they go about doing so? So if they want to uh, follow me on Instagram, my handle is ecomtom, ecom.tom. Um, and uh, my Facebook is uh, facebook.com forward slash mytombell. Obviously, they can email me or they can just go check out viralstyle.com. Perfect. Y'all, let's go make some money with some print on demand. Go to viralstyle.com. Go work with Tom. Make it happen. Tom, thanks so much for coming on the show today, man. Everybody, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Young, Healthy, Wealthy Show. And until next time, stay healthy, get wealthy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Young, Healthy, Wealthy Show. My name is Chase Henderfit. I am your host. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to DM me on Instagram at Chase underscore Henderfit. And I have one favor to ask. Please just share this episode with one person. You never know who it could help impact. And if you share it on your Instagram story, I'll repost it on mine. So until next time, stay healthy, get wealthy.